my number one prized possession, my family, they get the worst version of me. I'm Michael Perry, and this is Win the Day with James Whitaker. You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go. Hey, winners. Welcome back to Win the Day. If this is your first time here, we sit down with some of the world's true change makers to give you all the tips, tools, and strategies to win the day every day. The quote for this episode comes from Jane Goodall and says, you cannot get through a single day without having an impact on the world around you. What you do makes a difference, and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. If you're a parent, you'll know that keeping your family happy, your house organized, and your stress levels down is almost impossible. However, our guest today is on a mission to solve that problem once and for all. Michael Perry is the founder and CEO of Tech Startup Maple, an acronym for Make All Parents' Lives Easier. After becoming a father in 2020, Michael launched Maple as a free mobile app to change the world of parenting and have your home running like a well-oiled machine. Already, Maple has partnered with more than 70 brands and has more than 80,000 users in the US and Canada alone. Previously, Michael was the founder of Kit, an AI employee for small business owners, which was acquired by Shopify in 2016. Michael has been recognized by Forbes, Inc. Magazine, and Business Insider for his role as an emerging leader and influencer in marketing tech and AI. Outside of the business world, he is a proud father to two sons, an uncle, brother, son, and husband. In this episode, we're going to talk with Michael about the biggest contributors to household stress and conflict, how to balance business with family, the biggest mistakes parents make, and how to fix them, and how you can use use uh, technology to bring more happiness into the home. Before we begin, the right bit of inspiration can completely change the trajectory of someone's life. So there's a friend or loved one out there who needs to hear this episode or could use some help to win the day. Share it with them right now. All right, let's win the day with Michael Perry. Michael, great to see you, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. That was probably the most impressive rundown <laughs> of my I've ever heard of me. I'm like sitting there being like, damn, this guy <laughs> He's this legit. Is be good. I'm like nervous now. Like this is a real deal thing. So yeah, you're like big you, shoes to fill. Yeah. Who I'm is like, that guy? Yeah, I feel like I should be interviewing you. That was impressive. <laughs> so thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited you're here and what a journey you've had. I'm super excited to delve into all of those details. Uh, to kick things off, is there a, a story of struggle or success from when you were growing up that gives us a bit of a sense of what your childhood was like? Oh my God. Well, you know, as time has gone on and I think back on my childhood years, I feel just so incredibly fortunate um, for the household that I grew up in, right? My mother had me in her early 20s. My father was in his early 20s. My mother was a waitress. My father was a car salesman. Um, and I feel really fortunate to the extent that my parents very early on um, put this huge amount of emphasis that um, work ethic was going to matter and that um, you are not going to allow any one particular thing to define who you are. And so while I struggled with school at an early age, you know, barely was making grades, my parents always had this unlimited belief that somehow, some way I was going to find my true self. And so I think when I look back, you know, the stories and tribulations of being a young man, um, the thing that really sticks out that I feel the most grateful for was that from a very, very, very early age, I had a set of parents who deeply believed in what I was capable of becoming. Um, so no one particular thing. There's one moment that always kind of sticks out with my mom, you know, marching down to the principal's office, <laughs> reminding them that though I was struggling to pass classes, that didn't mean I was stupid. 
and that I just learned in a different way. And I think just all those moments kind of compounding gives you the belief system in yourself to do really great things and overcome very difficult situations. Mm, so powerful. Yeah, being taught the right way yeah. is such a big thing. You know, like the quote, don't judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. What, what was right. sort of some of the, the strengths you had in terms of learning and some of the, the weaknesses? And I mean, just looking into your, your background, it sounds like your ability uh, to form partnerships, relationships, that type of thing seems like a, a real skill of yours. Well, when I was super young, my dad used to take me to work with him all the time. So I, I started working when I was seven years of age. Um, my, fa- my uncle ran a video store. Um, my father was selling cars, obviously. So I kind of went back and forth between working at a video store on the weekends to uh, going to work with my dad. He used to pay me like $3 an hour to wash cars. Uh, he would take me to car shows, take me to all. And I really had the privilege of observing someone that was incredibly talented um, and how he communicated with people. You know, my father used to always tell me, um, the person who's buying the Volkswagen is just as important as the person that's buying the Rolls Royce. And so just learning how to treat people as an equal, as a young age, um, I think really has set me up for success in terms of like how I've been very successful at developing partnerships, building a business and things of that nature. Just basic human decency mm. goes a very long way. You know, I was always hyper creative in school, um, but like, I just think sitting in a desk um, was not the right arena for me mm. from eight in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. Where I learned the most was standing on a car lot, standing in a video store, um, and really learning about how real life worked. And by the time I was 15, you know, 12, 13, 14, all those ages, I was working a 40 hour a week job. And by the time I was 18, 19, 20, I mean, I was making $150,000 a year selling cars. Um, and, you know, I think that that whole journey is a pretty uncommon story for kids, right? Most kids aren't working at seven or 10 or 11 or 12 or having the unique opportunity to directly learn from their parents in a business environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always kind of used that as my competitive advantage that um, at 37, you know, I've been, I've been at it for 30 years. So even though I'm competing against people who might have more runway of time on earth, they've been here longer and been around the block. I've been... I've been at it just as long. Mm, mm. You know, I had a lot of struggles that I've spoken about a lot on the show, uh, anxiety specifically when I was in high school and, and starting university, which I think is something that, in my experience anyway, I don't think it's something that totally ever disappears. I'd, I'd read something about your background as well, that you had some struggles around anxiety. I have, right? a, I have extreme anxiety. Yeah. Um, I had anxiety even this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to do my own like mental preparation knowing that I was coming here. And it's something that you have to just recognize that, um, we all have demons that we're battling. I don't think anyone who suffers from anxiety wants to have anxiety. Um, anyone that's dealing with an anxiety disorder um, will be the first to tell you it's not like a fun thing to have to take on every day. Mm. You know, um, and it needs to be. It's it's a difficult thing. To, it's a bit like back pain. If you haven't gone through it personally, so it's difficult. a difficult thing to even sort of comprehend. It's so difficult. And like I've gotten to a place, thankfully, where. I can feel it coming on mm. and I'm, I'm able to communicate that now to my wife um, and to the people around me that like I'm, I'm struggling right now. Um, it's, it's definitely taken me away from doing some of the things that I love. Mm. I used to do a tremendous amount of public speaking. I used to get asked to speak at conferences I'll, because, you know, my story is relatively uncommon to go from, you know, no, no formal education. I didn't, I didn't finish college selling cars, teaching myself how to code, <laughs> building a, venture back business, selling it to a publicly traded company, becoming a, like, that's, so, you know, I get asked to speak a lot about that. Cause I think there's a relatability in that, you know, I, I wasn't some kid that 
was some wizard and then went to Stanford or MIT or Harvard and then became some big success. And that feels so untouchable for so many. Yeah. But I've, I've had to stop kind of publicly speaking a lot because, you know, getting in stage in front of 20 people is almost harder than 5,000 now. Yeah, yeah. Right. And just like the anxiety, the triggering is just, it's, it's, it's something that I have to really, really, really want to help that audience understand the possibilities. Mm-hmm. Where does it come from for you? Is there a, obviously there's a genetic component with some of these things, but which, uh, certainly in, in my experience, there was, seems to be a mixture of like lifestyle and, and genetics as well as just not understanding. Uh, understanding. Yeah, I, I'm sure that some of it is deeply genetic. Uh, my mom has, my mom deals with some anxiety as well. Um, honestly, I think if I'm giving the most truthful answer, I think that there's a lot of self-esteem and self-judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in most of the environments, most of the places, um, where I'm starting to feel like I am melting, um, that I'm feeling like my heart racing, my hands are sweating, I'm feeling it. Um, it's, it's always almost stemmed around like the judgment of failure, mm-hmm. you know, like, is my business going to collapse? Like I lay in bed at night dripping in sweat still, you know, I've been an entrepreneur, Technology, software entrepreneur now since I was 21. So I'm 16 years in. Um, and I still have immense, immense anxiety, almost on a nightly basis about whether I'm going to make it or not in life. Um, it's a big, it's a big burden to carry just having any business. Then you throw being a parent into oh the mix. Yeah. It's the Iron Man. Yeah. It's the Iron Man. I mean, you know, your father, um, there is no body of work that matters more. I have, I, I, it's interesting. I have like less anxiety about doing the job of fatherhood, right? I have a tremendous amount of anxiety about my children in the world. Mm. Um, something happening to them, something being hurt. You know, the problem with people who are um, managing anxiety is that oftentimes you're filling the white space of your mind with a lot of negative forecasting. You know, it's like, this isn't going to work. I'm going to fail in front of this audience. I'm going to say something stupid. Uh, my kids are going to get hurt. It's, you know, it's so, it, that's so much part of the problem for me. I can't speak to every person out there. Um, and so oftentimes I have to just quickly try to replace those negative thoughts with positive outcomes. And that's how I kind of bring myself back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be okay. My kids are going to be okay. Um, my business, um, there's no guarantee, but I have a high bar of confidence that my business will survive. It will make it. We will have impact. We will be the company that we've set out for. I will be the father I set out to become, you know, and you have to kind of talk yourself off a cliff. Mm, absolutely. You know, I feel like for the anxiety for me in particular was when I was in a situation where I felt I couldn't escape from. Right. So an example of that, me sort of 15 years ago dealing with this stuff, I'd be sitting in a room like this where I'd be thinking, oh, you know, I've got a guest who's traveled to be here. Yeah. There's a, it's a situation that I feel like I can't escape from. And that would bring all those feelings yeah. on. And I'd be playing out those scenarios that you just mentioned of like, how can I escape? What's the best way to yeah. escape? What happens if I, if I can't do that? And then eventually you just have a complete capitulation. It's just not a healthy way to live. And that, the question I wanted to ask yourself here then, and I've done a lot of <laughs> deep work into yeah. over, uh, overcoming this, yes. and it's something I think we're always a work in progress yes. on, but what do, you, what do you love most about yourself? Well, if I'm being super truthful, I mean, I've worked extensively with an executive coach now for some time. I, I, I am someone who um, <clears throat> I battle with a tremendous amount of self-hatred. Mm. So I'm still trying to find that answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is 
that negative self-talk, I actually, there's a, something called like a hundred board where it's like 10 rows of 10 that eventually goes from one to a hundred. And I set the goal of doing um, as many meditations. I was going to get to a hundred meditations to hopefully start eliminating self-talk. Yeah. And I got to like 60 something. And I noticed that my self-talk, a negative self-talk, which had been my biggest weakness for 36 years or something like that. You know, this is only a couple of years ago I did yeah. this. Self-talk was eliminated completely through doing that. And yeah. um, it's amazing how... When you're in a situation, you don't realize how much more energy that you can have. Just like people who have yeah. a bad diet, they don't realize how much energy they can have if they started to do the right the right practices. Yeah, I mean, um, there's an aspect of me that feels like my self-hatred has propelled and fueled a tremendous amount of success. It's a really, it's a really difficult aspect of the relationship with myself. Mm. Because there's some aspect, um, if you really looked at where I started in life, um, the neighborhood I grew up in, the the uh, the environment I was in, you know, I'm probably in the point zero 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 one percent of people who make it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that self hatred has a lot associated to my desire to get myself to that next level, mm. to change that trajectory, to not like where I'm at, not like how I'm performing, not like how I'm showing up, not like how I'm thinking not like how I'm leading, not like, and so, so much of the over obsessive self analyzing, um, that is hyper focused on my flaws is almost like I'm constantly trying to iterate on myself. Mm. And I think the times where I've tried to be at peace with myself, this is where I've struggled in my development. I have not found the ability to love myself and do great work. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, we spoke a little bit there in terms of like relatability and there have been people on the show who are actual geniuses and people mm -hmm. just can't, you know, amazing stories, doing incredible work, but people can't really relate to that so yeah. much. I can't relate to that so yeah. much, but people who have the um, imperfections, they're open about their vulnerabilities. It gives me chills talking about this type of thing. That's what people love. It's what people embrace. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, if, if, if this um, experience on earth has taught me, even geniuses have problems. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't met a problem-free person. Um, some people are very good about um, hiding that. Some people are unwilling to talk about that or share that, which I think it... it it, it does a disservice. It's the Instagram of real life, right? Instagram is this amazing storytelling platform where you get to curate who you are to the world. And that's 99% of the time not true, right? Not talking about our own flaws means that we're curating ourselves in the public eye. And I think that with the good, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to become softer and better. Mm. You know, it's not just like, oh my God, you're so good at this. It's like, well, fuck. I go to bed at night hating who I am. Like, that's just real life. And there's mornings I wake up and I'm like overwhelmed with gratitude with where I'm at. Mm. It's a very strong yin yang. Mm, big polarity there. It's huge. And like, the reality of it is, and I always tell this to people, and I believe this, if you like where you're at in life, um, then you have to embrace all the fabrics that have woven that together. I love where I'm at in life. I love my wife deeply. 
I love my sons. I love my company. I love where I live. I like, I, I am overwhelmed with like, my life has turned out exponentially better than I could have ever imagined ever in my life. But there's a lot of demons that I still hold on to. And I don't know, again, like I said, I, I haven't been able to at least at, bring me back in 10 years and maybe something <laughs> has changed, but I haven't been able to let go of that. Yeah. It's hard when you're on that journey of acquiring users, raising yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, of course, you need more exposure to be able to do those different things. You're carrying the burden of your own home and, and everything else too. It's a very difficult thing because people are aiming for targets that keep getting moved, you know, another carrot over the horizon. People, we can't help but feel that our life is supposed to be perfect, but no one ever promised that your life is going to be perfect. In fact, it's the complete opposite. I think Stephen Hawking said that nature doesn't allow for anything in life that doesn't allow for perfection to exist. Yeah. And there's also no balance in the short term. And if you think there is, have kids because, my God, what I've last, – last year – I don't think I've really spoken about this in much detail on the show before – Last year almost destroyed me. I had to take a step back from so many yeah. difficult things because we had a our, our second kid thrown into the mix. Yeah. First little bit was great, you know, tired and all that. But when you have a kid who wakes up four times a night, a whole yeah. host of health problems, you have yeah. that for a year and a half. Wow, what that does to derail your day and your life and everything else with two working parents, crazy. There's a whole different level of humility. Um, you know, the last three years for me have been um, – extraordinarily beautiful, extraordinarily hard. I have dealt more in the last three years um, and really hyper in the last 18 months. And I'm not a woe is me person. Like life is fucking hard for everyone. Um, excuse my language, but it's been tough. You know, like <laughs> I've in three years, my I've had a house burned to the ground. I've lost everything. Um, I've obviously have a four-year-old and a year and a half-year-old. So I brought a new child home. I started a new company. I raised $6 million in venture capital. I've fired people, rebuilt my team. Uh, I've had several family members pass away to illness. I've built a house or building a house. I mean, life's coming at you. But like one of the things that I deeply believe at this stage of my life, this is the only thing I actually feel that I have some clarity around is that it takes a long time to understand what are you greedy for? Some people, um, they're incredibly greedy for money. Some people are very greedy for travel. Some people are very greedy um, for collectibles, whatever. I'm incredibly greedy to experience life. And if you, if you really believe in that greed, um, if, you, you, if you really want to experience life, because I'm, I'm a firm believer that this is just such a magical thing to get to be alive, then you have to prepare yourself for a tremendous amount of pain, a lot of hardship, a lot of joy, a lot of love, a lot of sadness, a lot of happiness, some depression. And if you miss any of those things, then you didn't fully get to experience the human opportunity that our species is afforded. Mm. We're a very unique breed, right? Like very few animals get to really feel all that. So when this is all happening, house burns down. It's like, well, you can rebuild a house. You know, I also got to balance that out with bringing another baby home. Hmm. No sleep. Well, someone once told me I wasn't going to have a baby. 
Raise money, super hard. Well, I also got turned down 50 times for my last company. I'm experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you kind of just approach life in this just super simplistic way of just like, bring it on, let me feel it. Let me have balance. Don't skew it one way for too long. Um, it becomes just so much more digestible. How, how do you reconcile chasing your own dreams and experiencing all of life while at the same time is putting your children in an environment for them to get the most out of life? Because at least growing up in Australia, for me, it's like there's a, being in, in an international relationship and I guess being in, living in different places from where you grew up, there's that constant pull that you feel like, where should I be and where is the best spot for my children? And just as in our careers, we think about where is the best spot for me in my career development that would set the example for the children. That's a great question. And I recently have had to make difficult decisions around this. Um, first time in my life, I've made decisions as a father versus as a son or a brother. Um, my wife and I made a decision recently to leave the Bay Area. That was a hard decision. My parents live five minutes away. My sister lives five minutes away. My niece and nephew live five minutes away. My brother-in-law, my family was there. Um, but ultimately, you know, when I talk about the greed of experiencing life, um, I have lived life as a poor man. I have now lived life as a somewhat comfortable man. I have lived life as a son, as a brother, as a life partner. I've lived life as a founder. Um, my children, specifically my children, because they're IVF children, they didn't ask to be here. So now I have to live my life as a father. And that's the only title that will never be stripped from me. My wife can divorce me and I'm single again. My children, I will die a father. Um, And so it became very easy to put them at the forefront of my decision-making framework because the life experiences that I seek the most right now, the most above anything else is memories with my kids. Do you have a family purpose as well as a career purpose? Like I literally write them down. It's twofold why I feel like I'm put on this earth and it can, it can shift. But, yeah. you know, my, yeah. my role as a family will then dictate presence and, and decisions in terms of like leaving a phone in a different room, yep. um, making the decision to drop off and pick up and, and do all yep. of those different things. Then the career stuff in terms of increased learning and all that as well. I mean, I feel really, you know, very lucky that my career, where I'm investing my time directly overlaps with the vision that what I'm trying to create at home. So there is no off and on switch. The way that I think about this um, is quite simply our purpose. um, Our purpose is the same as every other living species. Our purpose is not to go be a great founder. Our purpose isn't to go play in the NBA. Our purpose isn't to be a doctor. Our purpose is to take care of one another. That is the human purpose, to make sure our species continues on and is alive and well. Now, society wants to tell you a different story. Scientifically speaking, our purpose is to care for one another. And so I, I think about that in terms of rings. My tiniest ring, the closest ring, the thing that I'm most in control of, of taking care of our species are my sons and my wife. We're a team. The next ring out of that is my family. The next ring out from that are my employees. The next ring out from that is my community, where I live. The next ring out from that, it, starts getting, it becomes further out of my control. But what I'm trying to demonstrate to my sons is that you have to, with every, whether you're a doctor, you're still serving that purpose of taking care of your community. Your profession sits 
somewhere in that ring, whether you realize it or not, right? This podcast sits inside of that ring. You're being a guiding light for people who are wanting to listen to this to be motivated, inspired, change their trajectory for them to play inside of those rings. And so I don't drift away from that framework. My life is so complicated, but it's also so radically simple. I take care of my children above anything else. And I work incredibly hard to be a thoughtful member of this species. How do you feel about your previous business venture in terms of meaning and just the feeling that you got um, compared to the work that you're doing now and how well that you have linked up your personal purpose with, you know, your work? I, I really think that there has been um, two lives that I've lived on this earth. I've lived life um, without children and with children. And when I look at my life without children, I was not the same person I am today. They've been the largest change of who I am. So in my last life, my last company, um, you know, I grew up in the Catholic church and my mother made me be an altar server from third through eighth grade. And one of the most important lessons that I learned in that experience, I'm no longer a, a practicing Catholic. I, I, I find myself much more aligned with Buddhism, but the most beautiful thing that I saw or I witnessed was the act of servitude. Just giving to somebody else. I remember this incredible story, this moment that I experienced where I watched this priest um, wash the feet of the first pew of people that showed up to church. And afterwards, I was super young. I was like in the fifth grade. And I said, you know, Father, why did you like wash their feet? And he said, it's my job to serve them. And I always approach business in this very simple way of who am I willing to be a servant for? In my last life, I was a servitude to entrepreneurs because my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My uncle was an entrepreneur. The men that I admired were entrepreneurs. And I felt a deep connection to that community to give them every creative and strategic ounce of time that I had on this earth. And I feel very proud of the work that I did, uh, which has quite honestly impacted probably a million people. Um, I feel very honored about that and proud that I selflessly worked relentlessly hard for the betterment of those people. And when I became a father, I realized that my servitude was to my children but my servitude was also in, 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 in the, my servitude was to sit at, the, at that intersection of my family and people trying to build families. It was how can I give everything emotionally available to my children and how could I give everything intellectually available to my new community? Mm. And so I very much, I don't, I don't take a paycheck. I work completely for free. I feel very lucky that I've put myself in a position that I could do that. Um, but my servitude is to families. I am a servant to them. I work relentlessly hard um, for them. 
How does servitude to yourself in terms of daily rituals fit into that whole equation? Hmm. You ask the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that- And in my, in my experience as well, to clarify, I feel like rituals, uh, daily routine, all that has evolved so much for me. Trial and error, different phases yeah. of life, um, becoming a parent, different things totally. to deal with. Like for me in the morning, I have my time in the sunshine. I, I do um, a journal. I've done it like 700 days in a row now. I need that space to be able to, to do that. So I have more to give to everyone else. That's beautiful, by the way. Um, I'm probably in a chapter right now in my life where I'm not really taking good care of myself. That's just my only honest answer. Mm. There was a chapter in my life where I meditated every day. Um, I found peace in my heart every day. Um, building a business is incredibly hard. Um, especially at the ambition and the vision that we have at Maple. Um, and being a, being an, an equal partner in a relationship is really hard. And being a good father is really hard. Being a good son is really hard. Um, any of those jobs done well require a tremendous amount of time. And I have made, for right now, um, I have made the very intentional decision to put all of those roles before caring for myself. I don't advise that. I don't think it's a bragging thing. I don't think it's a good thing. Um, but I recognize that my business will fail my relationship will fail and my short experience of young children will be regretful if I don't make a very strong commitment to prioritize those three things. Mm -hmm. And there's very little room in my day outside of those three things. There are times when you recognize that change needs to occur and you're ready to embrace that. I had, I had one, yeah, I had one where I'd actually hopped on the scales. I'm someone who just doesn't really eat that much during yeah. the day. And I had lost a tremendous amount of weight and mm -hmm. I hopped on the scales. It was at a pediatrician appointment mm -hmm. for one of our kids actually. And I was like, oh my God. And then so just focusing on consistency of workouts and just having that time. Uh, I turned 40 recently as well. That was a huge thing for me where I'm just like, um, in context of legacy and health being so yeah. important in that health has become by far the primary yep. concern. So I have those things, but I wasn't ready for it. And it just wasn't a huge priority as much as it should have been along the way. Yeah. I mean, listen, for those that are watching, you know, preserving your, you know, if you're not around, none of it matters. I mean, it sounds so easy, right? It's like, take care of yourself. I mean, when there's been good surf, I'm an avid surfer. Um, you know, I'll find time to go surf and find some time to separate myself from reality. But those are, I think there's a difference between shaped rituals, consistent, habitual behavior versus like these one-off moments where you're recognizing you need to invest in yourself, mm -hmm. right? The real good ones, you know, they, they build consistency. They journal 700 days in a row. They eat healthy. They go to the gym. They... Whatever it is that people need to build their system around, it's about consistency and discipline. My consistency and discipline, it exists, but it just doesn't exist in terms of me. Mm. <laughs> right? I get up at six o'clock in the morning or 5.30. Whenever my kids wake up, I'm up. Um, I make them breakfast. I'm at work by 7.30, 7.45. My wife takes our kids to school. I work pretty consistently till 4 p.m. I go home. I spend time with my kids. I'm present. I, you know, have dinner with my kids. Um, I put, I wash my boys every single night. I put my boys to bed every single night and then I go back to work. 
and and that's what I have to do to be their father and build a venture back business and be an equal partner in my marriage. And there will be times where the release valve is a little bit different. The intensity in those moments will be a little bit different, you know, and I can then factor in the good behaviors that once existed in my life. I think the difference is at 37 versus 27 or 37 versus 30 is that I'm far more cognizant that I'm not doing a good job of taking care of myself, but I also see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I, this is a game plan. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a decided upon intentional use of time. You know what I'm saying? And there's, there's differences between as long as you're not getting too far from center. There are some people who have, you know, stay up on their phones till four in the morning, eat the world's worst foods. And yeah. So it's, I, um, in an interview here on the show with Tim story, he mentioned, if you're not aware that the decisions you make at the moment can impact, impact you in a way that it could take decades to overcome for people who are in the throes of really difficult addiction and those types yes. of things. But as long as you can stay not far from, from center and just keep everything moving forward, then, you know, that's quite noble yeah. I think, in the short term. I mean, you know, everything is better compounding, right? Bad behaviors compound, um, good behaviors compound. And I think that it's more so having the life experience and my, in, in on my fourth cycle of building a company, um, to understand how fragile everything is around me right now. I'm in an incredibly fragile spot. Um, And so, you know, it's my job at the end of the day, when you decide to be a founder and a father, um, it's my job to protect those two things. Mm. Um, That is what you sign up for. And, um, you know, my parents have always taught me to never, you know, you paint both sides of the fence. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, take us into the moment that you realized a maple needed to exist. And what was the yeah. problem that you wanted to solve with maple? You know, at the time uh, I was at Shopify. Um, that's where, that's where I was at for four and a half years. Um, I became a father and, you know, just as a little bit of backstory to it. Um, you know, I think that at the end of life, there's like five or six or seven or eight things that you just like can never forget, you know, Everything else kind of just mushes together. One of those moments for me is the first time I held my son, right? It was, it was such an insane moment. It was such a big shift in my thinking, right? I went from within seconds of thinking my whole life was about building companies, making money, winning awards, leading teams, you know, yada, 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 to within oh my god my only purpose is to care for this child it's the only thing i can't fuck up you know what i'm saying Mm. it's the only thing i cannot mess up is 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 being a father to this kid um and then the interaction more and more for that you know once you see them interact and smile and look at you with those eyes you're like oh i'm done here yeah you're done you're like (laughs) you're, you're like you know you really understand why a parent would die for their children and kill anybody for their kid. Like you get it. It's just such a, it's nature taking over. And I went back to work and kind of two things happened simultaneously. One was I was having a harder time being authentic um, because that shift, that moment also changed my community. It changed my servitude, right? I was like, holy shit, I don't feel like I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, you have to imagine the identity crisis. I spent my entire life, I started companies. My first company was when I was 10. 
first company. I spent my entire life thinking of myself as an entrepreneur and wanting to be the world's greatest entrepreneur. And within seconds, my, my dream became, I want to be the greatest dad ever. Seconds. It still blows my mind four years later that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, I went back to work. I wasn't feeling authentic. And then on the flip side, my wife and I have been together for a really long time. We're on year 17 now, but we're 13 years into our relationship with this newborn child. And we were no longer like just two people living together. <laughs> we were like trying to share this responsibility. And um, I was going to work. She was at home. You know, we had a three-month-old, four-month-old. Um, and I just was not understanding what I could be doing better. It felt like there was just chaos at home, doctor's appointments, like just so much was going on. I was so out of the loop. I felt I'm failing at this new purpose, right? And that just felt awful. And so I started looking at, as a technologist, you know, what products out there could make life more balanced and easier. Like we've built technology to bring efficiency to every single job on earth. Tech, this doesn't exist without technology. This whole, oper- pot, pot, the whole industry doesn't exist without technology. SaaS businesses, fam tech, farm tech, ed tech, med tech, like everything in technology has changed everything. Yet parenting has remained the same. And it just dawned on me that I was going to work every single day to try to make entrepreneurship the hardest thing on earth easier. Why was I not committing my, my, my brain power to making our life's work easier? Mm-hmm. This is our life's work. Like, how many podcast guests have you had on this show? 100? 200? They will not be at your bedside at the end of your life. Not one of them. Your kids will be. And that is the most important thing for us to realize. Mm-hmm. That when you die, the world won't remember you. When you die, your kids are going to miss you every day. I received a notification on my phone before I came here. It was, you know, the Waze app. I always punch it in wherever I'm going. And it says, would you like Roger Federer to navigate you, you know, as (laughs) as the voice? And I'm like, is there not a better allocation that we could be using of of technology? Does it frustrate you when you see companies like Facebook and Instagram and these companies, they have the best psychologists in the world? No, it kills me. And you're doing stuff to literally change families and legacy and generational. it, it, It kills me because we have some of the brightest people in the world trying to figure out how a shark can swim around a cereal bowl. I mean, my God, what's wrong with us? I really think about this. Are, are we that? Are we that greedy for the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. You know, it almost brings tears to my eyes because I'm like, I've been around some actual geniuses. To your point, people whose brain power exceeds anything I will ever be capable of. So many of our problems are solvable. It's just such a disgrace that we're not all leaning in to fixing life at home, mm-hmm. fixing climate, fixing these things that are a threat to our species. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, so, you know, I, this has been a very long way of explaining how I got Maple started, but it was those moments, those early moments where I thought like my son and now sons, they are my life's work. This should not be this hard. This should be way more enjoyable because the thing that I'm going to regret the most without a doubt in my life is that I wish I was more present around my children. I wish that I could enjoy them more. I wish I could spend more time with them. 
I will not be thinking about the missed trip to Ibiza mm-hmm. or what company I could have built or what s- startup I should have wrote a $25,000 check to. Mm-hmm. None of those things are going to be in my mind. Not one, not even in the sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just can't believe that it's taken, you know, if you think when did the tech, you know, when, when do we want to pinpoint the start of software, mm-hmm. the internet We're going 30 years, 40 years back. And we've kind of, over pass by imagine how different parenting would be if someone had been working on this for 20 years we've actually done the opposite we're doing things where parents you know this morning i was driving my daughter to school and i see a mom who's got a kid running in front near the street and behind as well i'm like what's going on these kids are like two years old that could easily just step out and get hit by a car we we have messed up so many things and so i think in a lot a lot of way we need a we need a moment we need some renegades we need some people to bring us back you know, I, I just deleted Instagram and Twitter and everything off of my phone. Um, I just want to be there with my kids, mm. you know? And when you, when you think about the, you know, I sort of touched on it in the intro, like the stress that parenting brings has been such an interesting time for me where it's true that, you know, to a large degree that to fully experience life, you have to have kids because it does completely shift your perspective and evolve it so much. It is such a big change. But at the same time, I firmly believe that not everyone should have kids no, it's not. because of the stress and everything else it puts on yourself, on your That's relationship, right. on, on everything else. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, Just like being an entrepreneur, not for everybody. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Mm. <laughs> like, honestly, I've had, I've probably spoken to, in my lifetime, 10,000 entrepreneurs, t- easily. Conferences, you know, whatever. I tell most people, don't do this because you want to get rich. That is the number one path to misery. You have to be like manically obsessed in a probably clinically mentally ill way with the problem because it's so hard. Your quality of life is going to be so bad for so long that if you're not at that level, you're going to hate your life. And to the points that we were talking about earlier, if you're not prepared to change diapers at three o'clock in the morning or go days, weeks, months, years of no sleep, of being up every day before 6am, right? Mm -hmm. No weekends, no breaks. If you're not prepared for that and you don't love that, if that's not the priority of experience of your time, you know, you have to use your, that one admission ticket wisely. Yeah. If you're not there, don't just do it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Or people who have kids to fix their marriage. It's like, oh, that's, that's that's the biggest mistake, right? I mean, to each their own and I'm not one to judge. And I, you know, I also think that like not having kids is it's, it's the right decision for some, but I also feel like there's a huge aspect of, again, it's just my hardwiring of like being greedy for life that like you're missing out on such a divine chapter, Mm. a divine experience as a human being. Have you heard the Albert Einstein quote where he said, I think it was Albert Einstein. He said a calm and modest life, um, is better than the pursuit of success combined with constant restlessness. Mm. I believe he wrote that on a napkin and gave it to someone. It's such an interesting one. In my mm. times of running businesses, that constant restlessness versus mm. a calm and modest life. Imagine just being able to have every weekend to yourself or after five o'clock every night, you can just switch your phone off and literally nothing else matters apart from whatever you want to do. I mean, I've never had that. Yeah. Like ever. Like I don't even, you know, that seems like a fantasy. Mm. Um, but the grass is always greener, which is another true, it's another true thing. I wouldn't change my life with anyone. Yeah. 
Like, honestly, I, as much as it's, I might be sounding, I hope I'm not sounding doom and gloom. <laughs> I'm not at I, all. It's great. You're keeping I, it real. I, I'm actually in a highly optimistic and a highly happy person, but I feel like if you're going to just come up here and sell bullshit, you're doing no one any justice, right? Yeah. I wouldn't change my life with a single soul. Mm. I, I absolutely love where I'm at. And I feel so thankful that the, the two things I'm most proud of is my marriage and my kids. Mm. Everything else is irrelevant. Mm. How about a free app? Why did you decide that the free model was the path you wanted to, to go down? And what are the sort of metrics that you use to evaluate how well the business is doing? So we've actually had, I think, a, an ingenious way of making money. We actually defer the cost of the app onto brands. We have a sponsorship program. We work with people that are similar in our space who basically absorb the costs on behalf of the users and we're thankful for our sponsors. Um, you know, we at some point may have a premium product. Ultimately, what it came down to is that I grew up with a 20-year-old mom and I I had a very difficult time stomaching asking people to spend money that they may not have in incredibly difficult economic times when I know that the value could be there for them. Um so, you know, we will always have a free version of Maple. I think there will be a day um, where we have to have a subscription version of Maple. Um, but if people don't want that, then they'll have the sponsored version of Maple. Um, so it's always been from day one, our promise and commitment of having a long-term free option. How we measure success, you know, that's an interesting one because my own definition of that has changed quite radically over time. We used to say, you know, Time in app mattered greatly um, because then we know that we're conquering their day. They are using Maple to manage their calendar and their to-dos and to establish some organization inside of the home. As time has gone on, you know, I, I think more about how we can give them time back in the day, mm -hmm. right? So weekly active users, daily active users, obviously core KPIs for us to measure in terms of just general stickiness and efficiency but I think in order for us to do our job, you know, very long-term, many horizons out, we have to be incredibly committed to, you know, taking the burden off of the parent and helping them in such a way that they are given time back in the day. Because any parent would tell you that time is their real asset. They have very little of it to do the things that we're talking about. I don't even have time in my day to do the thing, right? So I told my wife two days ago, I'm like, there's one thing, I'm, we're looking at ways just to claw back just a little bit 30 of 30 minutes yeah, would make yeah. like a life-changing difference, right? Exactly. And so how do we actually build those workflow efficiencies um, and the automation um, and the simplistic like use cases more streamlined so that like they almost, by using the app less, we actually give them the most value. Mm. Um, give, give me an example of a big problem that you see in the home that can create stress or conflict and just one of the ways that you go about solving that. So there's two extraordinarily large problems within the home that I see that Maple is trying desperately hard to tackle. One is just the basic premise thinking that most households run under the 80-20 principle, right? So in 1950, four out of 10 children had dual working parents. Today's number is nine out of 10, right? And so the difference being in 1950, we had this very rigorous um, kind of system in place that dad was going to work, mom was staying home, dad was making a paycheck, mom was running the household. Um, and 40% of households today, mom is actually making more money than dad. Uh, but 
in almost all households, she's doing more work at home than dad. So there's a tremendous amount of friction and frustration at home around just the actual labor and planning of the house, right? It's so tacky and so cheesy, but it's it's so true that if you ask most dads, who's your kid's teacher? Like they don't know the name. Who's your kid's doctor? They don't know the name. When was the last time your kid was at the dentist? They're like, uh, I don't know. Right? Who's planning the vacations? Who's buying the groceries? Who's folding the clothes? Who's you start going down this laundry list of things, and almost always the answer returns back to my wife or mom, right? But she's also doing a nine to five job. So Maple, um, as a platform, as a product, it defaults to sharing the load and the responsibilities and bringing more exposure to the inner workings of what's taking place at home, right? Everything about Maple is trying to be hyper collaborative. Um, the second problem is that, you know, being organized is a skill. There's a reason why a lot of people are not organized. It, there's a reason why people are obsessed with companies coming in and cleaning out their pantry and organizing their life. There's a reason why a lot of good leaders um, recognize their own shortcomings and they have the privilege opportunity to hire an admin to help them organize their day, organize their life, maximize and optimize efficiencies. Most parents don't have the skill sets to do that, right? And so life feels incredibly chaotic because the biggest dirty secret about parenting is that, and I'm sure you're probably feeling this right now, is that right around the time your kids turn two, you become an administrative assistant to your kids, right? You're balancing their school schedule, pick up and drop offs. You're balancing all their friends' birthday parties. If your kids, your four-year-old might be playing my son just played t-ball and he's also in karate and he's doing soccer practice and he has swim lessons. And so all of a sudden you are the admin to your kid. And if you don't have the tools and you don't have the organization around that, that admin responsibility comes, falls solely on mom's shoulders and mom is now trying to balance administrative work for her household, her job, and actually running the household. And so just the general disorganization and chaos of not being able to keep everybody on the same page creates a tremendous amount of frustration. And I think it's fair to say, and one of our core beliefs is that when Maple is successful, you know, we not only can build happier homes, we're building healthier children because kids feel that stress, tension, um, the offset of the relationship between their parents. So those two may be the two big ones. Oh my God, it happens all. I mean, I won't even get into the details of the horrific feedback emails and support tickets that we have about the venting. I mean, we are we are deeply in a place in time where we need to redefine what masculinity is and what taking care of your family looks like. Mm. It's no longer making a paycheck. That sure. is an expectation. Yeah. That is not the job. That is the expectation. The job now is how much emotional support are you providing your wife and your kids and how much labor at home are you willing to support on as well? Mm. Especially when the mom is going through pregnancy. Oh my God. It could be, it might not even oh be a God. successful pregnancy the first time. So you're dealing yep. with emotional things, yep. physical things, yep. all of the feeding and pumping and everything else after that. And then if you have multiple kids, multiple pregnancies in the, in the back mix. at work doing, I mean, it just becomes, it becomes unbearable and it just yeah. becomes unfair. You know, I, my, I talk to a lot of people, you know, all the time about parenting and I just keep it really honest, which is, and I think that this has to be more of the conversation is that when I stood on the altar with my wife, I wasn't marrying an employee. She doesn't work for me. 
I, I don't know why people just think that their wife is just going to be working for them, right? We have a partnership. We are co-founders to a life. We co-created humans. So like, I couldn't imagine if my business partner and I operated in the same environment of a traditional heterosexual household. He would be like, F you, right? Like, We've been building companies for 20 years. Yeah, he'd be like, I'm not signing up for this shit. Like, I'm not your lackey. I'm not going to fold your clothes, right? So we treat our business partners as equals. We give them a certain level of respect. Um, The best piece of a marriage advice I ever heard was that marriage is a 60-40 proposition in the other person's favor. Yes, that is it. Both parties remember that. That's exactly right, though. That's what I'm saying is that it has to be that you're leaning in a little bit. You have to be thinking you're leaning in a little bit harder. When both people think that, um, things are better off. But I think that most of most households operate under this 80, 20 principle. And I just think that Maple is deeply positioned as the, you know, back office, uh, administrative stack mm. to just change that dynamic. Mm, absolutely. Uh, what about the best parenting tips or, or hacks you've got for people to optimize their home? Anything come to mind? Well, besides using Maple, of course, um, <laughs> honestly, I think that it's so basic, but I would, strongly encourage people every Sunday night after their kids go to bed to just check in with their partner. I don't think enough people do that. Just like what's on the docket for the week. Are you good? Where can I help? Here's my week. This is where I'm going to be. I mean, Wednesday is going to be bad for me. And it's just crazy how people continue to go through the motions um, and just live life without actually being a team, right? Like, I couldn't imagine expecting my employees or my uh, co-founder to just know everything that's going on in my head and just like assume that they're going to build what's going on in my brain. No, we like lay out a roadmap. We have quarterly reviews. We have daily standups. Like there is such an over index on communication at work, such an under index of communication at home. Mm. Especially when you look at communication and financial struggles are the two biggest reasons that people get divorced. You're solving both of those in a one hit through Maple. I mean- most people, it's surprising, you know, we actually had had lots of conversations with people about this and I, I wish we would have surveyed it um, so we could put harder numbers behind it. Most people have told me that they would forgive their spouse for an affair and they will divorce their spouse out of frustration over the workload at home. And so it's like people right now almost, I mean, loyalty matters. I'm not encouraging people to go have affairs. But I think that there was a time and a place where like that was probably the leading cause of divorce, right? That is not the case right now. Most people are just so beaten down and so exhausted of trying to take it all on themselves. Uh, the financial stress, the bills, the school schedule, all that stuff that they're like, if I divorce you, you have to legally show up. You have to legally show up in this partnership. You have to have your three days a week, right? It's like, why are we letting it get to that? Mm-hmm, for sure. So why do we champion businesses and not necessarily businesses, but the role of employees in business? We champion people for their professional and corporate achievements and how busy they are and how much output and work they do rather than championing people who excel in the home at raising the next generation. Honestly, this is going to sound like a a broken record, but I think it comes down to what we value. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. The the problem the underpinnings of all decisions is what you want what you're striving for as an outcome, right? If you're looking for financial gain, 
you're going to coach, invest, do whatever it takes to make more money. We've all done it, right? It's like you invest in the people, you hire the best people, you recruit, you, you know, send people to conference at whatever it is, right? Like we will go to no limit to provide people with the resources to be successful in their job. Need a new computer? No problem. Need a screen, certain mouse? There's no limit. When it comes to our home, we, we put lots of glass ceilings. The workforce puts, the employer puts lots of glass ceilings on their staff. Spouses put lots of glass ceilings on each other. And so I think that the conversation has to be constant at this point. We need people with stronger moral compasses um, leading society. And we need to have this constant reinforcement that your life and your life's work and your purpose and your servitude is to the next generation. And that circle starts small and it gets bigger. And we don't value that, right? You watch the news, that's not what's on the news, right? You have conversations at work, that's not what the conversations are like at work. Um, Everything around us is an amplification of tension. It's just oh my what we God. see. Look, at, there's a like, comment, and share button on everything. It's designed to get clicks. We see the news. We see social media. When we have people who literally are our life in front of us, and it's just like we're not even there, not even present, not even connected with them. It's, it's, I said this. I actually had – I've never had anything go viral. It's probably the closest anything ever came. I was having a moment. I was on a business trip in New York. Um, I, was, I was feeling quite down about some things. and. Um, it dawned on me, you know, you talk to most people who've worked with me um, over, I don't know, last, let's say 10 years. Hey, you know, they're going to say a bunch of really flattering things, right? Michael's so charismatic. He's dynamic. He's smart. He's, he shows up. He goes to any dinner meeting. He, he will do whatever, right? But they're getting the best version of me. They are getting the absolute best cut of the meat. And then in the morning and at night, when you're tired and you're exhausted, your family's getting the tired version of you, the stressed version of you, the beat down version of you. And so I was feeling absolutely horrific that the people that matter the absolute most to me, my number one prized possession, my family, they get the worst fucking version of me, the worst, and they deserve the best. And the reality of it is, is that when I had this moment and I had this epiphany, every household is like that. Mm -hmm. Every household is getting the worst versions of each other. Yeah, mine definitely has been. My wife and I had a very big conversation around that. It's like we're racing against the clock until the time when our nanny leaves and our daughter comes home from school. And we are exhausted. Fried. We got nothing left in the tank. Then we've got to make dinner and do all those different things. And try to be kind to each other. Yeah. Under that environment, right? You're beat. You're exhausted. You're drained. You've had a hard day. You know, people are demanding. You're trying to navigate the challenges of life. Yeah. And then the person who you made a baby with, the person who you love, the person who's going to be there for you when you're sick, the person who's going to miss you when you're gone, they're getting the shit version. And I'm obsessed with trying to figure out how I can fix that for my own family, first and foremost, for my own wife and kids. And if I can build some sort of technology um, that tries to scale that, cool. But if not, that's okay too. I'm focused right now at a professional level and at a personal level of 
building the right balance to show up in the right way for everybody. Um, I just, I hate myself sometimes so deeply for not being, for being a great boss and being a shitty husband. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. the mission you're on, it's, it's awesome. And I think the parenting, the parenting journey, I mean, it's just a, t- everyone's trying to figure it out. Everyone's like, oh, look at these people. They've, all I can see behind the scenes is, you know, that there's chaos. You see these perfect photos of snapshots and destinations. It's not real life. Yeah, exactly. And the problem is that it just perpetuates bad feelings. Yeah. Why isn't that me? Why isn't it? This? That's the whole, the grass is greener on the other side. For sure. It's for like, sure. what's life like behind closed doors in that house? Yeah. You know? You find out that all these happy couples and happy families, they get divorced and it's like, hang on a sec. You were telling me how good your life was for the last five years and all this stuff was- Exactly you know, right. Exactly scenes. right. And I've, I've, you know, my mother used to tell me, um, you know, I think it's really hard going to school and not getting good marks. I think it's really hard building a business when people think that you're stupid. Um, And my mother used to always say, do not seek external validation, find internal validation. And those were like, in my hardest of moments, I was like, holy shit, she's so right. Mm -hmm. And in a very weird way, we are using Instagram to seek external validation we use twitter to share our mind to seek external validation we use thought leadership pieces to seek external validation but what are we doing internally and by internally i mean our family mm-hmm. yeah it's such a good point you know, uh, last question before we sorry. move to the rocket round on your yeah. best day what's an affirmation that you would write on a flashcard that you could show yourself on your worst day <sighs> be thankful Let's start moving to the rocket round. Uh, right. Ten questions with some quick answers. You up for this one? I am always up for rocket rounds. <laughs> Number one, what quote inspires you the most? Um, I say it to myself all the time. My grandmother told me this when I was like 16. Um, she said, be a first class you, not a second class someone else. So good. Number two, morning coffee or evening wine? Both, but <laughs> I, would, I would give up wine before coffee. <laughs> Number three, what's one bit of advice you'd give your 18-year-old self? Slow down. Number four, what book do you gift the most or what contributed most to the mindset you have today? To the mindset that I have today? Well, the book that I gift the most is for sure The Uninhabitable Earth um, because I'm very scared about climate change. And I think that everyone needs to be very well informed about where we're going. The mindset though, you know, probably the courage to be disliked. Mm. I've, inc- I've, I've recommended that book dozens of times. But I actually have bought like 20 copies of The Uninhabitable Earth and I send people home with it. So, but the courage to be disliked should be mandatory reading for people. Number five, was there a vulnerability you once hid within that became your superpower? Yeah, empathy. Mm-hmm. Number six, what's one thing you've learned about failure? It's a part of the process. Mm-hmm. Number seven, if you could sit on a park bench and have a conversation with someone alive or dead, who would it be? Da Vinci. Number eight, what tool or resource best helps you run your life or your business? What do you think? <laughs> maple of course Ma- Ma- maple is the, maple can be the only answer for that maple for the win baby yeah i love it number nine share one thing on your bucket list seeing my kids grow up and final question what's one thing you do to win the day find gratitude i love it well there are a bunch of ways to connect with maple and we'll link to all of these in the show notes you can follow them on instagram at grow maple facebook at grow maple and download the app at growmaple.com slash install again all that and more will be linked in the show notes michael thanks so much for coming on the thank show thank you james for having me appreciate it <laughs>
Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Win The Day podcast. We want to hear your thoughts on what we covered today, so drop a comment on the YouTube version of this episode with your favorite takeaway, any questions you have, or what actions you'll be taking as a result of what was shared in this episode. And if you found value in the Win The Day podcast, leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll find a link to both of those in the show notes. It'll only take you a few seconds and more ratings really helps other people discover the show so they can get the mindset upgrade they need and we can bring more winners into the Win The Day movement. That's all for this episode. Get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.